Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome our South Shore campus joining us right now, Gulf Coast, here at Little Creek, our online, and also the Orleans Justice Center. Come on, can we just welcome all the campuses right now joining us live? So excited to have you guys. We are kicking off week one of a new series called Soul Detox. Now, Pastor, where did you get that name from? And what are we going to be talking about? So I want to talk to you about two ways that this name came to us. Number one, uh, a good friend of mine, Craig Rochelle, who was really a mentor of mine, an amazing church, uh, Life Church in Oklahoma City, wrote a book called Soul Detox. And so, of course, I was inspired. I've been inspired. I read everything that Craig does. I listen to him teach. He's amazing. Uh, but number two, it's also because of my own journey that I have walked in and walked through many times and seasons where I had to take inventory personally and go through what I'm going to teach you, a soul detox. Now, there's different types of detox. Number one, most of us have heard of physical detoxes where, where we realize that we've eaten too much and we've gotten a little bit out of shape. The reality is you come to the end of the summer. How many of y'all be honest enough to say you probably need a little physical detox? Come on now, be honest. I mean, all of us, myself included, come on now. The fact of the matter is I read something funny this week about a physical detox. You, you, you might need a physical detox if you think that that round hole in the treadmill is for Pringles and not for water bottles. <laughs> Let me give you two other ones. You, you might need a physical detox when the waiter asks you how you like your eggs, you'd say, I don't know, how about in a cake? Come on, you know what I mean. <laughs> this, is a really, this, is, this is a really good one. I got this one this week. You may need a physical detox. <laughs> the only time the word fitness comes out of your mouth is when you're looking at fitness donut in your mouth. <laughs> if you didn't get that, you're slow. I'm just being honest, yeah. One of the great authors and writers, Dr. Don Colbert, who is a medical doctor, I've referred to him before, uh, he talks a lot about physical detoxing and what it goes through. Some of you guys have done a physical detox where you, where you drink certain drinks and you, you have certain shakes and, 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 and you do certain things because, because of the impurities in our physiological body. Listen to what I wrote down for Dr. Don Colbert. Here's what he said. A detox is a regimen of treatment intended to remove toxins and impurities from the body. According to this doctor, toxins are everywhere, <clears throat> including pollution in the environment, preservatives in food, pesticides on our food, chemicals that cause cancer, other health problems. These toxins, he said, they compromise our immune system. They trigger disease. They affect our metabolism, and they affect our behavior. By the way, one of the things that we do around here at Church of the King, if you're new here, is every year uh, in the very first of the year in January, we do what's called a 21-day fast. And many of us do what's called a Daniel fast. Basically, a Daniel fast is no sweets, no meats, and no carbs. It's really, really good. All of us lose weight. That's why we feel good about eating a lot during Christmas. But all of us lose weight. And, and there's something that happens to your body when, when, you, when you shift your diet. There, there's something that happens when you go through a physical detox where you actually set up your body for success for the year. As a matter of fact, you, you, you actually lose your appetite for sweets. Things that were once pleasurable to you, your, your body, you actually begin to affect the chemistry and the flow of your body. When you go through a physical detox, you are, you're purifying your body, in a sense, from these toxins. 
There's also another type of detox, and that is when you go through what's called a drug or an alcohol detox. When you often go in a clinic, there's a 30-day, a 60, a 90-day, and some of you guys have experienced that, where maybe you've grown with an unhealthy dependence and an addiction upon alcohol abuse, or, or, or whether it's drug use, and it's, it's gotten out of whack. And, you, you, and, so, and so when somebody does that, they, they'll often go away. Sometimes it's inpatient, sometimes outpatient, but in, in, your, in your body. And, and, and there's, there's a regimen that you go through, particularly intense for the first 30 days, where, where your body is detoxing from an unhealthy dependence upon something else. So there's physiological detoxing, whether it's just from health reasons or because your body's become dependent upon a substance or another chemical. But there's also another detox. It's a detox that we often probably don't think about. It's a detox where we look at what have we been thinking. It's a detox where we ask ourselves honest questions about what have we really been feeling. In other words, what are those emotions that are consistently going through our body that when we pause and we stop, we say, okay, what have I been thinking? What have I been feeling? And you realize that there is some toxicity not in your physiological body, but in your soul. If we're honest, and I trust over this next month, we're going to be honest. I'm going to do the best that I can the best that I can, to be as transparent appropriately as a pastor on the weekend to talk about how I have gone through and continue to go through soul detox. The fact of the matter is when you go through life, we all pick up insecurities. We all pick up fear. We all pick up uh, little things in our soul, unhealthy thought patterns, negativity, sin issues, habits, hang-ups, things that hurt us that we don't process well. And if we don't process them well, they can become toxic in our soul. If we're honest, some of us even have relationships in our lives. Maybe some friends where that friend used to add and multiply your life, but now they subtract and divide your life. When you get around them, you feel that anxiety in your stomach because you know the conversation where it used to be pleasurable, now it's toxic. Why? Because they drank a cup of bitterness, they've not processed well, and now every time you get with them, they want you to partake of that same drink. And there's a toxicity. Is soul detox scriptural? I mean, obviously getting saved where you give your heart to Christ. I'm not talking about giving your heart to Jesus. I'm talking about when you're emptying your soul, where you're making sure that the impurities that come and attach it. Just like Dr. Don Colbert said, that physical detoxing, sometimes it's things that we do, sometimes it's things that we don't do. Just the environment that we're in, we pick up unhealthy stuff. It's the same thing with soul detox. Sometimes the decisions that we make, the positions we put ourselves, but sometimes it's just the environment that we're in. Stuff gets on us. That's why Paul said, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, here's what he said. Beloved, here's soul detox 2,000 years ago. Pastor, is it in the Bible? It sure is. Beloved, let us, everybody say it, cleanse. That's a big word with detox, isn't it right? It's a big word for when you, when you have a physical detox. You're, you're, it's called cleansing the body. Cle cleansing the body. That's what we're doing. But we're not cleansing the body. We're cleansing the soul. Beloved, let us, everybody say it, 
cleanse ourselves. Now, we believe God's the initiator. We believe that, that God is the one that gives us power. God is the one that gives us strength. We don't believe in self-salvation, but we do believe in cooperating with the Holy Spirit. We do believe that we have to cooperate with God. God does for us what we can't do for ourselves, but we do, in cooperation with God, what he requires of us. And he says, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Two things, of all filthiness of the flesh, our behaviors, and some of those habits that we just have to stop. But also of the spirit. So there's an external, but there's also an internal. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Why spend a whole month, pastor, talking about soul detox? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that we need soul detox. I need a soul detox. Matter of fact, why don't you, why don't you look at your neighbor and say, you need a soul detox. Come on, just do it. Come on, right now. Now look at your second choice. Say it. You, do, you definitely need one. Come on now. Come, come on. Paul says, let us cleanse ourselves. So in other words, these are Christians. These are not unbelievers. This is the church at Corinth. He says, we need a soul detox. Stuff that just sticks on us. Isn't it amazing when you realize and your eyes are opened up and you realize that the stuff in you is hurting you. Let me give you another level revelation. Not only the things that are in you that are hurting you, but, but also the things that, that are in you or that you may be doing also are hurting other people. You ever, you ever heard of secondhand smoke before? it's not just about impacting you, but, but, but you ever thought about secondhand impact with your attitudes? You ever thought about that before? So all of us, all of us come to a point where we have to realize and our eyes are open up. There are things in us, there's things external to us, and there's things in us. We have an enemy, a real enemy. And we also have things in culture around us that just get on us. They just, they're, they're just things that just happen, whether it's billboards and things on TV and stuff, and you're watching a ball game and something just, ah, you feel contaminated. You know, it's like, man, I need a bath. Well, we do need a bath. Maybe it's not physiologically, but, but, but it is, 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 it's, in our, it's in our soul. The media, sound bites, things, and books, and stuff that just, there's just stuff all around us in culture. I remember after I gave my heart to Christ, I, 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 I had some great friends, and, and I say this very respectful uh, towards them, but there were some things that, that, that there needed to be some adjustments in my relationship because there was some stuff, there was just some toxic stuff where I, I now had a new direction in my life. I had done a 180. I, I, was, going in a, I was going in a new direction. So I, I needed to make some decisions. Why? Because now it was my responsibility to keep my soul cleansed. And I couldn't partake of some of that same stuff. I couldn't partake of some of the same conversation. I want to talk to you by way of clarification over this five-week series. What is the soul? Now, I believe, this is what I believe the Bible teaches, that we are tripart beings. Tri, meaning three. All right? Everybody say spirit. Everybody say soul. And say body. Okay, I teach you, I believe the Bible, uh, four different places in the New Testament, Paul and the writer of Hebrews, uh, and in the gospel, spirit, soul, and body. Okay, so, but by way of analogy during this series, I'm actually going to combine the soul and the spirit, all right? And what I'm going to do is, the, the, the soul is your mind, will, and emotions, 
and the spirit is the deepest part of you, your heart, the seat of your personality. I'm going to combine them because it's going to get confusing if not. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about the soul being the internal world and our body being the external world. Is that okay? So let me just say another thing. Just remember this. You are a soul that has a body. You're not a body that has a soul. By the way, you're a soul that's going to live forever. Your body's not. Come on, everybody over 40. You, you know what I'm talking about. And let me tell you, we can keep it up as long as we want, but it's still coming down. You know what I mean. All right, now I'm an advocate. You should take care of yourself. Absolutely. So today I want to talk to you, week one of our series, I want to talk to you about I want to talk to you in this series about five different conditions of the soul. Today I want to talk to you about the restless soul. The restless soul. We live in a culture where we're being pushed. We live in a culture where things are coming to us. We live in a culture where, 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 where whether it's time issues, whether it's media, whether it's cell phones, whether it's emails, whether it's text messages. And, and again, it's, it's amazing. I, I'm not sure there is a distinction. You know, you, you, we have arms and we have legs and, and that's all part of our body. I'm not sure if there's a distinction between our cell phone and our bodies anymore. Particularly when you get younger kids, you know, they walk around this thing now, your story, everybody's got a story, so it's a whole time. Well, no, no, don't film me. Why are you filming me right now? I don't want to be filmed right now. You're on my store. Well, I don't want to be on your store. Well, take me out of your store. Well, I'm not sure. What is your story? So everything is just like these nano cells. Everything's just all over a space. Do y'all remember when you used to go to work? Now work comes to you. You don't have to go to work anymore. Work comes to you. Do you remember when you used to rest before emails? Come on, can I have a good amen in church? Did you remember? Now it's all coming. So things are happening. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. And that's why in our culture, because you get extra credit for all of you being this word. Here it is. Now, there's no way all the thousands of people that go to church, there's no way that I could somehow psychologically have suggested to you prior to you coming into church this word. But we're all going to say the same word. It's so deeply ingrained in our psyche and our culture. If somebody comes up to you and says, how are you doing you, if you don't say good, good, you would say another word. Good, man. Yeah. Whew, boy, I tell you, things are really, yeah, just, I mean, I've really been at the count of three. Can we say it? One, two, three, say it. Busy. Thank you, sir. Give him his tithe back. That was a contribution over and above. Busy. Nobody wants to say, not much going on. Hanging out in a hammock. I'm a loser. You get extra credit for being busy. Isn't that right? So you get extra credit. You're busy. You're busy. We're busy. I'm busy, right? Activity, performance, accomplishment. That's why when you ask somebody, how are they doing? If they don't say good, they'll say, well, things are good. I tell you, a lot's been going on. I've been very busy. Why don't we rephrase that a little bit? Instead of asking them, how are they doing? Here it is, ready? Let's get right through activity. Let's cut through accolades. Let's cut through accomplishment. Let's cut through productivity. Let's cut right to the core. Y'all ready? Let me give you a turn. Let me, let me turn this just a little bit. Instead of asking them, how are they doing? Let's ask them this. Hey, hey, Steve, hey. How is, how's your soul doing? Ooh. Ooh, that was like invasive. That was like, 
I'm getting too heavy up in church. My soul, leave my soul alone. I present my image, you know, but my soul, my inner world, no, no, hands off. But wouldn't that really be the biblically appropriate question? Because we know that our external world is impacted by our internal world. I want to talk to you today about the restless soul. We live in a culture where people are pushed and tormented and they're and life is faster. It's going faster and faster and faster and faster. Technology, I appreciate. My voice is coming across. We've got video campuses. People, I understand all of it. I understand. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful. But here's what I realize. The faster my life has gone, I've seen a correlation where uh, my soul health has also gone down. What I need to do is make sure that when things are moving fast, my soul doesn't get neglected in the process. Is that, are you with me? Here's what I found out. I'm not an advocate for passivity. I'm not an advocate for, I'm not an advocate for, for, for lack of accomplishment. But what I am advocating for is that we need to make sure that our soul and our activity is running in parallel tracks. I want to make sure that it's not down here. I want to make sure, because when it's down here, there's a gap in our lives, right? If we're accomplishing, but our soul health is going down, there's this big gap. And that gap is very dangerous. Very dangerous. Matter of fact, we start substituting things for the fulfillment that only soul rest can really provide in God. Genesis chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. Where do I get the word restless from? First place in the Bible, this word is mentioned. Cain and Abel were two brothers. First, two, the first siblings in the Bible. Cain and Abel. And uh, they were two brothers and Abel was blessed. Cain was also blessed, but Cain got jealous of Abel's blessing. And he got jealous of how God receive something from him. So Cain got jealous of Abel, and when that jealousy got into his heart, he murdered his brother. When he murdered his brother, look what it says in Genesis chapter 4, verse 11. God's speaking to Cain. Now you're under a curse and driven. There's something about the word driven. It's the, it's the, it's the opposite of rest. You see somebody driven. And they're panting and they're, I'm driven. I'm not talking about passivity. Drivenness, though, is not healthy. How I many know God doesn't drive us, he leads us? The shepherd doesn't drive us, the shepherd leads us. We ought to be led, not driven. You, you will be driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Now here's the word, here it is. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield the crop for you. You will be a, say it, restless wanderer on the earth. Cain, because of his sin, Cain, because of his choices, because of what took place in his life, because of his internal world, because he didn't gauge what was happening on the inside, because he was more concerned with what was happening on the outside, not only in his world, but also compared to his brother's world. See, here's the thing. If you are highly concerned about the external, just remember this. It's not just your external world that you'll fixate on. It's also in comparison to everybody else's external world. We're going to talk about that next week. There's something about focusing on the internal world. Cain had his eyes in the wrong place, and because of that, he murdered his brother. And the Bible says that he's going to be, there's a restlessness about him. And let me just say, by way of confession, I understand what it's like. I understand where restlessness comes from. I understand the drivenness of trying to achieve and not operating from a position of strength and not operating from a position and a posture of, of, of rest. Let me make a comment. For those of you that may be checking out Christianity, and maybe you're, you're new to this whole thing, I believe 
Because I'm going to talk to Christians primarily today, but I believe for those that may not know God, I, I think that we can try to look everywhere else outside of God, but it only ends in a futile search. Ultimate rest, let me just say this, for, the, for, for, for all of us, it's, it's in God. Psalm 62.1, our soul finds its rest in God. Truly my soul finds its rest in God, in God. St. Augustine, I love the great early church father, said this, You have made us for yourselves, O Lord, and our soul is restless until it finds its rest in you. So there, there, is a, there is a rest, listen to me closely, for some of you guys this feels so far out, and I've been there before. For some of you it feels so distant, so removed. Is it possible? Is that really possible, Pastor, where, where my soul can come to a place of rest? Yes, my life has to keep me. I can't quit my job. I can't give up my kids. I can't give up this. I've got responsibilities. Yes, you can be productive, but your soul can run on a parallel track where you can be healthy and rested. There's a lie in our culture that in order to be successful, you got to be rabid and, and run around and driven. That's not true. As a matter of fact, even take, the, take, take, take even scripture out of it. Doctors will tell you that when you are driven with adrenaline, it actually shuts down your higher critical thinking skills. You can't even make proper decisions. Is there a promise in the scripture? Yes, there's a promise in Matthew chapter 10. Come to me, or 11. Come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden. Jesus said this, and I will give you what? Say it. Rest. Is there a promise in the Bible? Do we have to live tormented? Do we have to live restless? Pastor, come on, you just got to get up to date. We're in the 21st century. And I would resoundingly say, no, we don't have to live that way. You can be productive. You can be effective. But you can live rested. Look what it says right here in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. What is he talking about? The picture in, in the Bible, a yoke, there was two, two oxen, and a yoke was the thing that kept the oxen together. Watch this very closely. And they would often put a weak ox with a strong ox. And the, the weak ox still had to do and show up, but it was the strong ox that, that would actually do, carry the weight. Jesus said it this way, Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find what? Say it, rest for your souls. So, so Jesus is saying, when you're yoked with me, you got to show up for work. You got to show up to be a mom. You got to show up to be a dad. You got to show up to be, you got to show up for schoolwork. You got to show up. But, but, but when you're yoked to Christ, watch this, you're not pulling the weight. He is. He's the one pulling the weight. It's his power. It's his grace. It's his rest. If you have your notes, I'm going to ask you to take them out. It's going to take me 10 minutes. I'm going to give you three things. What do I do, pastor? How can I live with a rested soul? I'm going to be talking all month long about the toxicity of culture that gets on us, the unhealthy thought patterns that we have, the things from the outside that impact us inwardly, and the things that are inward that impact those around us from inside to out. Let me give you three things. Number one, how do you find rest for your soul? Number one, learn to be still before God. Learn to be still before God, Psalms 46.10. Look what the Bible says. The psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Notice what it doesn't say. Notice, notice. Be busy. Sure, we can accomplish things. 
be anxious. There's something about operating from a posture. Be still. Well, I, I got to work, Pastor. Hang on. I'm going to give you some insight onto this scripture. It is be still. So in other words, there's something about soul stillness. See, what I found is you can, you can externally be moving fast, but when your soul is rooted in rest, your soul can remain still before God. Be still and know that I am God. Wow. Why is it so important for my soul to be rested? Why is it so important? Because when your soul is at rest, you stay in a posture of faith. When you're running all over the place and your brain and your mind and your adrenaline and it's anxiety and there's anxiousness, guess what? It actually moves you out of a position of faith. Now, I understand physical hyperactivity. I was physically hyperactive as a kid. I was. I was. They, they, matter of fact, I know you can't do this anymore. I know this is Teacher's Day. We pray for, I know you can't do this. I know this is not a strategy. But when I was at St. Bart, they used to stick me under the desk. The teacher's desk said, this kid, they didn't put me in the hall. Get under the desk. I thought it was characteristic to Sam Barth until I went to John Curtis. They stuck me under the desk for like nine years. I just, oh, he's wild. Get him under the desk. I went to Tulane. There they were. No, just joking. They didn't do that. There. So I understand hyperactivity. I, 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 I get it. I, 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 it was hard sitting still. But here's one of the things I realized. And can I be honest? I still have high energy level. I still do. I, I, that's how I'm designed by God. So can you be hyperactive and have a high energy level and still have soul rest? I want to resoundingly say yes. Because your soul can be at peace even while you're, while you're moving externally. But you've got to position yourself before God in stillness at some point. When do I do that, Pastor? How, how, do, I, how do I get my soul in a good place? Psalms 131.2 says, to David, or the psalmist says, surely I have calmed and quieted my what? Everybody say it. He's talking to his soul. What does that mean? He's talking to his soul. Is that like legal? Scripturally? I mean, can you talk? That's what the Bible says. Another place David said, bless the Lord, oh my what? He's talking, he's quieting his soul. He's speaking. How I many you know sometimes we got to take authority over our soul? Our soul wants to just get all strung out. And, 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 and there's things and there's demands and there's, there's deals that be made and, and, and situations and responsibilities. But, but the psalmist says, I'm... Calm down, soul. Be quiet, soul. Well, what's the picture? Like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. 2010, some of you know I've been very transparent about this, but I went through a real burnout. We were in the middle of this building, and just seven years ago, it was very hard, and a recession, and trying to build this $40 million bill. It was a tough, and I, and I, I just I burned out. And uh, matter of fact, our elders made me go see a, a counselor, a professional counselor. i never forget walking up to that counselor, like, oh, my gosh, you know. You know, I'm wearing dark glasses, you know, I'm this pastor, you know, I got a baseball hat, you know, looking around, you know, see if anybody. And uh, it would have been bad enough if I mean, the, the guy, his name at the end of it was psychotherapist. I thought, psycho, ee, 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 ee. Why not life coach? But anyway, so I'm just joking. I understand now what it's all about. 
And, and we're real advocates for professional counseling. Good Christian counselors are amazing. And let me tell you, you know, let me tell you what he told me. I, I went and met with him for a couple days. And as we said, Steve, you are addicted to adrenaline. Addicted to adrenaline. You're addicted to that high. You're addicted to that rush. And I said, what do I do? He said, you got to learn to be still. you got to learn to still your soul. And I said, what do I do? He says, well, in the morning, don't you read your Bible? I said, yeah. I said, I'll be honest. Half the time I'm up, I'm back and forth. i got my phone. I'm just all over the place. He goes, you've got to learn in the morning to breathe deeply and to be quiet before God. I thought, wow, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Now, some of you, that's easy. But to me, my personality, that was hard. Can anybody relate to this? I, 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 I learned seven years ago, when I wake up in the morning, I'm getting as practical as I can in this message. I have a chair in, my, in this little den room, and then I've got a chair outside. I sit in my backyard, I got a little fountain, and, 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 and I'm either place, and I'm going to sit. And for the very beginning, and I resist checking the news in the morning. I resist checking email. I want to so bad. Oh, yes, I do. The only thing that I do is drink coffee because it's straight from God. Yes, it is. It's natural. <laughs> and I talk to my soul. Soul, you're going to be rested today. Soul, you're, you're going to be quiet today. Yeah. Number one, everybody say, be still before God. Okay, now watch this, watch this. If you do it for five minutes, then it's like, this was nice. Th then you'll end up doing it for 10. And, and then you can do it for longer. And there's something about, I'm telling you how difficult it is to be quiet in our culture. It's almost impossible because it's, it's all around us. But if you'll learn the discipline of quieting your soul, yeah, that's what that counselor taught me. Steve, learn to quiet your soul. Number two, the second thing is patiently and expectantly wait for God. So what am I doing? Patiently and expectantly, I'm, I, I'm waiting for God. I'm not just waiting in stillness. Rest in the Lord. Look what it says, Psalms 37, 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. So, so what I'm doing is when I get in that place before God, I'll, I'll sit for about five minutes. I'm quiet before God. Watch this. And then I'll open my Bible. I use the Life Journal as a reading plan. I encourage you two weeks ago to please do some reading plan. And I'll start reading. So now my soul is still. Now I'm starting to engage with God. I'm starting, don't miss this, I'm starting to read the Bible. And I'm expecting God to speak. By the way, I bring something to write down. Don't ever meet with God without some pad, some pen. Don't use your phone. It'll be too easy to get into something else, man. I'm telling you. Go old school, man. Get a pen. Get a, and, and, or, or discipline yourself. Where you, you're going to just take notes. And so now, I, what, number one, I'm, I've got my soul still before God. Number two, I'm expecting God to speak to me. God's starting to talk to me. God's starting to speak to me. I, I'm starting to hear God. What am I doing? i tell you what I'm doing. I'm detoxing the tensions. I'm detoxing the stress. The worry. I'm, de I'm cleansing my soul. And I, I start to hear from God. I start to get clarity from God. God starts speaking to me. His voice 
gets real clear. It's like I begin to hear clearly God speaking to me. Not audibly, but in my, in my heart. Why? Because my, my soul is, it's, 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 I'm making the restlessness, I, I'm making my soul quiet before God, and I'm focusing on God. God's speaking out of his word, and I'm writing it down. It's making sense. Yeah. Number one, everybody say, be still before God. Number two, say, expect him to speak. Let me give you this third and final thing, and then we'll close. Real practical. What are we doing? We're de- Everybody say detox. I'm going to be talking this whole month about detoxing. You don't want to miss next week. Detoxing. Detoxing. What are we doing? We're detoxing from the restlessness and the drivenness and the, dry, the pressures of culture by resting our soul in the morning. Let me give you this third and final thing. Here it is. Reflect and be grateful. Reflect. Psalms 116, 7 and 9. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you've delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from the falling. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything. Here it is, in everything. Everybody say it, say it. Give thanks. Okay, what am I doing? My soul's at rest. I'm expecting God to speak. I'm going to verbalize thanks. Listen to me very closely. You know where a lot of restlessness comes from? Comparing yourself from your neighbor. Not having what you think you should have based upon what somebody else has. So if you'll start base level gratitude and thanking God, oh man, it'll change your life. June 17th, <clears throat> July 17th on a Monday, I got a call uh, that no parent wants to ever get. And it's a call, I got a call from my daughter. She was in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. She was working at a church up in the summertime. She's between her sophomore and junior year in college. And she was three months interning at a church, writing small group lessons. That's what she was doing for the church. And, and I get a call, she's in the back of an ambulance. And, and she FaceTimes me, she's got blood all on her face. And I'm like, and she goes, Dad, I got in a wreck. You know, and I'm, I'm going to the hospital ambulance. And, and again, as a parent, you just, you feel so helpless. I was just like, ah, let me talk to, are you okay? And so, so I got the, I got the, the, the paramedic, Mr. Robinson, she's going to be okay. She's got a gash on her head. She got in a car wreck. A car hit her from behind on the interstate. She hit another car. And it, it, it gashed her head. She got stitches and staples in her head. She goes, she's going to be okay. And she ended up having a concussion. <clears throat> and so, and, and I remember as a dad, I thought, oh my gosh, you know. And so my wife flies up the next day and gets her and brings her back that very same day. And I was sitting the following day and I've got my daughter and she's got these staples in her head and the stitches in her head and her car is totaled. She's got to go to college in a couple weeks. And my wife came outside in the morning and I was just going through all this and I'm thinking financially, I'm thinking all the different things we got to do and how we're going to do this and how we're going to do this. And, and I'll be honest, my soul was starting to get a little bit anxious, all that she's got to come back to see this doctor, want to make sure her head and all these different things and how she's going to be at college and that's going to be a plane for, oh my gosh, and, and what about a car and a rental, my God, oh, and I just paused. I said, wait a minute, time out, time out, time out. I said, honey, you know what? Let's just, let's just, Let's, let's pause. At least our daughter's alive. 
Can we, let's just thank God for that. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. See, if you'll just start at the base level with gratitude, everything else is up from there. Comparison goes. Stress starts going. Worry starts going. Yeah. Everybody say, be still before God. Expect him to speak. Start with gratitude. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of your people. I thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your presence. If you're in this place today, in just a moment, when I release everyone, our altar is going to be open. If you do not know Christ, if you're not sure about your relationship with Jesus, if you're not sure if you die today, you're ready to stand before God, we'd like to be able to talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you need prayer for anything, maybe there's a struggle going on right now related to this exact thing. We'd love to be able to minister the grace and the love and the life of Jesus. Lord, teach us to still our souls. Teach us to wait patiently and expect you to speak. Teach us to be grateful. Lord, we want to We want, as Paul said, to have a soul that's cleansed before you. Lord, I bless your people this day in Jesus' name. And everybody said, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, can we do that? We love you guys. God bless you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you.